listening to The Curious Mother, a place where we unpack all things related to mothering. This is a community where we aim to create a comfortable space that allows for active discussion without judgment. Find us at thecuriousmother.com and follow us on social media. Our Instagram is at thecuriousmother. Welcome back to The Curious Mother. I'm Kristen Daly. And I'm Melissa Miller. So we are very lucky today because we are being joined by a really good friend, but also incredibly trained professional. Um, With us, we have Jennifer Feitz, and she is a nationally certified counselor, licensed professional counselor, works a lot with uh, families and managing parenting. And so I had been approached by one of our listeners about a desire to have an episode on what it's like to step-parent. And when I was asked that, immediately Jennifer Fights came to my mind. And so welcome, oh, Jennifer. Uh-oh. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. <laughs> well, but when so I think of like, my here. complicated family systems, what I think of is Jennifer Fights. <laughs> I'm here to clean up your mess. <laughs> How did you get so into um, being a parenting guide and family counselor? I think it originally started with the woman who trained me in grad school, who was herself a career family therapist, but she also really acknowledged um, the power of being able to come alongside families that are really struggling and the just grounding joy that it would then bring you as a therapist to be able to see those families flourish. So like if families mean something to you, to then be able to come alongside another family Mm -hmm. and see them get better, do better, flourish as couples, flourish as parents, then that just really feeds your work as a clinician. Because we don't often get to see the really good stuff happen sometimes when we're just doing individual therapy because we see people for a short period of time and then they leave and we don't get to see it. But you see families get better in your office Mm -hmm. from week to week. So I think that's what I love about it and love about that particular kind of work. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about step-parenting. What makes it so hard, do you think? Because you're putting together so many potential messy circumstances into one space, right? Mm-hmm. So if you are a step parent, that means you've always been already been a part of another marriage mm-hmm. that has not gone perhaps the way that you thought it was going to go. And so you've already got that personal hurt, but then if you're even a halfway decent parent, you're thinking about the well-being of your of your own kids mm-hmm. and then also probably caring about this other partner's children as well. Mm-hmm. So there's just so many potential pitfalls, but areas where you're going to care a lot about what's happening. And whenever we're invested, I mean, sometimes we're short-sighted mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. our perception or our opinions or about what we think is best and we make a lot of assumptions mm-hmm. and intentions are usually really good. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. we all know what the road to hell is paved with. Right? <laughs> yeah. So it's like, here's all the pitfalls and the places it can go wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that one of the things that I always try to think about is like, who has control in which circumstance, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I think it can be so challenging because when you're like embarking on a relationship, you're thinking about like how you want things to be and how you're hoping the relationships will go. But at the same time, when you're when you have maybe multiple parents in the mix, you're going to have a lot of different opinions, right? Oh yeah, because you've got your own opinion about your children, then you have your former partner's opinion about your own children. Now you have your new partner's opinion about 
their own children and your children. So it is. It's it's lot. What is that? Lots of cooks in the kitchen <laughs> yes. phrase, right? I mean, there's just so much, and usually emotionality. Mm-hmm. And I think the other interesting thing that I've seen play out before too is that then. It's the first time that you and your potential new partner are going to see each other in a very specific dynamic, right? Because if you've been very intentional about keeping your kids out of the mix until you're serious or whatever it would be, now you get to see your new partner in a very new light. Mm-hmm. And it can create some then real dynamics between you and, and, and this new person that you're dating that maybe were not there before and bring up all other kinds of things. So I've seen it be too where... People are sort of going along and getting along really well in their relationship. And then we embark on this and it, and it just brings up so much for people. So let me ask, is there a rule of thumb about if you are divorced and dating and mm-hmm. have kids, mm-hmm. when is the right time to introduce the new person to the kids? This is like the $25,000 question that everybody asks. And I think the tough part is, is that There's like an answer to this question, but then there's also not an answer because it's so dependent upon the circumstance, dependent upon your own children, dependent upon your former partner and your relationship with them. So I think there's a little bit of that blanket answer of, I think you're sort of going to know a little bit depending on the read that you have of your, of your own kid, right? I mean, if you have a kid that is instinctually already giving you vibes that they don't like the idea that you're dating somebody new. They don't like the idea that mom's got a new boyfriend or dad's Mm -hmm. got a new girlfriend. Then I think that gives you a lot of information about how intentional you need to be and how slow and, and thoughtful you need to be about introducing this person. So there's like one nugget of information. I think remembering so often that this is not about you. Like once you decide to become a parent, your responsibility is no longer to always meet your own needs, right? Like you have to backseat your own desires and needs and sort of wishes and wants to the fact that you are ultimately responsible for what is in the best interest of, of your kids and raising those own healthy human beings to have good understandings of healthy relationships. So I think it's a very multi-layered and very complicated answer that is very specific to each person's personal circumstance. But I think it has to start always with very open communication and developmental appropriate conversations with your kids, right? If you have littles, like, you know, you're, you're recently divorced and you have little people in your house, two, three, four. That's going to be a very different conversation than if you have a 12, 13, 14-year-old. And the respect that you owe your kid to be able to have a voice, no matter really their age, that they have a right to tell you what they're thinking and, and what they're feeling and how they think about this idea. Um, but it's, it's going to be a very different conversation depending on the age of the human that mm-hmm. you have in your house. You said a lot of things there that made my brain like have Sorry. a million questions. This is such Sorry. no, this is so good. This is this is great stuff. I I want to throw out there a question because I do have a lot of families that I have seen get divorced and their kids might say, I'm fine with dad dating again, but not you, mom. And I never will be. How do you, you know, if if moms are getting the guilt, the mm-hmm. pushback, mm-hmm. how how might a woman handle that? It's such a good question and it is such a hard question because there's this dynamic. I don't I don't care how evenly you parent, how well you co-parent, intact marriage, divorce separated. Moms get stuff that nobody else in the family gets. That's right. Because of that innate 
wiring and connection that is there from what that relationship is even fundamentally means, right? Okay. So I think there's a little bit of, I would say for moms, take a beat and recognize that as much as that may frustrate and hurt, it's because you, you are, you are that small person's human, Mm -hmm. right? And because you mean, not that dads don't mean, right? Not taking one bit away from dads, but there is something about what the word mother means and what that relationship means to small humans. But then I think in those moments, the most important thing to do is validate that this person has, this little person has an opinion. And probably if they're making a statement like that, it's because they're scared Mm -hmm. of something, right? Scared of what it will mean for how your relationship will change. Scared for what it will mean about bringing this new person in. Scared for what it will mean about the time, attention, all those different things. So then I would, you know, validate that. And then I would just ask lots of open-ended questions questions. Tell me what you think. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, you know, that's okay. It's okay for you to think that it's okay for dad to not, you know, tell me why, tell me what's different. I would try to avoid why questions, but a lot of like, tell me about that. What are you thinking? What gets in the way of mom being allowed to date? Is there something that you're scared of? I mean, I would just ask lots of open-ended questions as opposed to getting frustrated and shutting it down and saying something like that's not fair because it is. Mm -hmm. It's 100% double standard, which means even as adults, we're going to feel like it's unfair. You know, so I think just giving them the space to maybe answer those questions and then you're going to probably get a lot of information out of it. Great. One of the things that I've seen... Several divorces I've known well, um, they've had morality clauses in their divorce paperwork that a person can't spend the night. And I think that the neat thing about that is it's almost like from this place of sound mind where like when we don't know who that person is, Mm -hmm. we're kind of setting some standards Mm -hmm. of how that person would be engaging with the family. So on one hand, I think that that's like, I always think about this idea that when we're in a relationship, the challenge is we're so excited about the relationship Mm -hmm. that we tend to, it tends to cloud our judgment. So like when you were saying that, um, you know, we have to look at our kids' perspectives and how they're going to perceive it. I was imagining some of my um, divorced girlfriends going, yeah, because that's what dad's going to do. <laughs> but right. at the same time, I think that – so I think that that's why those things are out there. I think they have some good utility. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, I think it also is now you're policing something else, right? And <laughs> and so I think that that's – it's hard because, you know, mm-hmm. the characteristics that create the separation sometimes are going to be part of the, you know, the picking of the next partner. A hundred percent. And that we are going to potentially – you know, we obviously have very strong opinions about our partner or we would not have separated from them. Yes. Right. And we are going to have, and I think the big thing that, that, that moms and or dads need to be careful of is that the hurts from the relationship that you are leaving, you cannot then play out your recovery on your kids or, or if you, you know, if you were very hurt coming out of your marriage and, and that you now see your former partner happily moving on and dating and then you you carry that over and try to police those circumstances as to somehow get you know retribution or to get what you think is like okay well fine you did this to me well now I'm gonna now I'm gonna sort of get back at you because what's in the middle is your kid and they're the ping pong they get stuck in that dynamic so let's take that scenario uh a woman not at all happy that her ex has moved on mm-hmm. and is not happy that there's going to be a new woman in her child's life. Mm-hmm. What are some things we can tip 
women onto to be thinking so this could go well for their children? Like what do they need to be aware of and how do they need to manage their emotions and take care of themselves? Well, perhaps I'm a bit biased in the response, but I'm going to say, get yourself a good therapist to (laughs) start, right? Like, you know, and I think one of the big pieces that comes out of that is if you've got a good therapist, they're going to be providing you with a little bit of a sounding board and a little bit of some level-headed accountability about where your emotions are, right? Because unfortunately, your girlfriends are all going to be on your side. And that's why you're, they're your girlfriends, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they're all going to be agreeing with you. They're all going to be telling you you're right. They're going to be hating on him. They're going to be yeah. hating on him, right? <laughs> and, and, and so, like, that's great. And you want those girlfriends in your corner, but they can't then be your voice of reason yes. to try to make sure that you're not doing, you know, un, unrecognized but undue harm on your kids, right? Mm-hmm. Your mother, your father cannot be those sounding boards because again, you know, you're their little girl and they're, I mean, it's, it's all that thing. We've got to have somebody who is that, I don't know, for lack of a better phrase, that Yoda sitting in the corner that's going to be the unbiased source of sort of wisdom and discernment and a little bit of that devil's advocate of, okay, but but hang on, how much of this is about you, And not about this woman. You know, Mm -hmm. how much of this is about you and not about your spouse? Mm -hmm. Are you taking out hurts and frustrations that are very valid, but now you're putting your kid in the crosshairs because you're trying to prove a point about your ex-partner, right? Remembering what's about you and then what's about the the other people in that scenario and making sure that you're not... um, projecting, you know, to good, use a good old fashioned psychology term that you're not projecting your own hurts and frustrations and wounds and, and loss, right? Loss and grief that always clouds our judgment, right? Mm-hmm. Onto a circumstance. So I think it really is make sure you've got people in your life that are able to maybe provide you with a really grounded sense of, of what the whole thing looks like, not just your perspective. Mm-hmm. That's great advice. And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, could you spell out a little bit more how the kids lose mm-hmm. if mom is really angry about <laughs> new step-parent? Okay, so we can't forget that as much as you may be angry at your ex-partner, the small humans in your life love them just like they love you. Right. And and they just like it doesn't feel good to us when we have to pick between two things we really, really like. Like when I go to my favorite Italian restaurant, I hate having to pick because there's good food everywhere. Right. Like I want to eat it all. I want to eat all of the good food. So it doesn't feel good to us when we are being said, you have to choose. It doesn't feel good to anybody. And somebody's going to lose. And and if we make our kids choose. If we really put them in a position, I guarantee you, you're all going to lose because your kid is going to end up most likely being hurt. Anxiety can quickly grow out of that, which then can also, as they get older and are able to embrace more abstract thinking and understand long-term relationships and circumstances and outcomes, it's going to also then breed into resentment. Mm -hmm. So it may seem okay in the moment, but Mm -hmm. then what's going to happen is your kid is going to end up resenting you Mm because they're going to figure it out. And, and so I think it's the idea of whenever you put emotional responsibility on a kid, it is going to cost you in the long run your relationship with your own child. And so that's where I think it, you know, it comes back to that idea of you've got to have a sounding board where you're playing these things out. Here's what I think I want to do. Here's what I think I want to say. Here's what I think I want to handle the situation to some back and go somebody to come back and you and say, okay, you've got your kid stuck in the middle of that. Yeah. 
that's got to be an adult conversation or there has to be an adult decision. Mm-hmm. Let's say we're talking to the person who's about to step into a step parenting mm-hmm. situation. So they're in a relationship. They know, um, you know, it's time to meet the kids and maybe it's also going time to kind of move into that role. What would you say would be the best practices? Like what are some good guidelines for, for kind of navigating that well? Probably approach it as you would if you were stepping into meeting like a niece or a nephew or something along those lines where you are going to have a meaningful relationship with this person, but you are not the penultimate authority figure, mm. right? Where it's like, yes, you're going to have a role that's probably meaningful. You want to have a relationship that's loving. You want to have a relationship that's open, but that you're not the end all be all. You're not stepping into the role of either mother or father, right? You want to be the person that they can come to, but that there are recognized boundaries that are there. And that's for the sake of the child and for you. Um, I'm thinking of a family that I'm currently working with where parents were divorced at a, um, when, when my client was very young and this is a a circumstance where they handled it very, very well. Right. Mm -hmm. And she always talks about how her stepdad, who she's known for a very long time, has this really clear role where he is always present as she needs it and wants it. He, you know, he goes to every soccer game. He's, he's at all of her school events, but he quietly always defers to her dad who is still in her life. Like he never tries to supersede. He's always very cognizant upfront of the fact that that's her dad and it will always be her dad. And so he's very present, but he recognizes his role as being second. And I think it's because she talks about it because she's very bright, savvy young woman. He's very humble. He doesn't let his ego get in the way. He has nothing to prove, right? He's her mom's partner, not her dad. Mm -hmm. And so he doesn't take this sort of idea of like, well, I'm also like a dad. No, he's my, he's my stepdad and, and not. So I think it's the idea of making sure that we don't let our ego about role or that we have something to prove. Like if we're the new woman in a relationship, we don't have to prove that the mom didn't do a good job or Mm -hmm. isn't doing a good job Mm -hmm. to then be a good partner to whoever we're now dating, right? Like we don't have something to prove to our partner that we can also be a good mom. We just have to prove that we could be a good partner. Right? This is such a great point, you know, because right. one of my favorite books that I had read was I was a really good mom before I had kids. And, <laughs> and we all it's a comedy book. And the thing is, is that it's so true because when it's all, you know, when it, and when it's all hypotheticals, mm-hmm. we all kind of have this like idealistic version of how we would want to do things. And I think that what can be hard is. I think it's almost easier when step parents have their own kids because they've already parented, and I think that they can be a little bit more gracious at times. Mm -hmm. Um, But sometimes what can be hard is if they don't have their own kids, then they still have this idealized view of how things should go. Mm -hmm. And it's so important to know that there's not something to prove here because mm-hmm. I think sometimes they think they, you know, oh, I would handle it differently and this is how, you know. And that's a, and that's a reality. Like mm-hmm. you may handle it very, very differently than this other person. And I would say unless you genuinely believe harm is occurring, right? Like unless you genuinely see a circumstance where you would intervene for any child, right? Then I think you communicate to your own partner hey, I'm just sort of noticing, or I'm a little stuck, or tell me what you think, or how's the pattern been? But it is not your place to then step in and fix something that is not ultimately yours, right? Like mm-hmm. your your sort of first loyalty is to be a good partner and then to be a good, solid other sort of adult 
relationship to this child, sort of like they would have with a really great coach or a really great teacher, right? Somebody that they can come to and be honest with and who's going to be honest back, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're not going to sacrifice your own values or sacrifice your own character to get this kid to like you, right? You Mm -hmm. need to fundamentally be who you are and to be honest, developmentally honest, but it's not your job to then step in and rewrite or fix or create a huge chaos turmoil because don't forget that this kid is probably caught up in some turmoil of itself yeah like please be mindful of the child first I want to ask a little bit about kind of on that two women one is the ex-wife and one is the new wife yeah it's a setup for a messy relationship but but I just think ideally it would be beautiful Mm -hmm. if those two women could communicate and get along. Mm-hmm. And it, how do we encourage women to maybe not hate the ex or hate the new, mm-hmm. right? Like, how can we support I'm each other? I'm thinking of that movie. Do you remember that movie? What was it? Stepmother that had um, yes. Julia Roberts and, um, oh gosh, what was Susan her name? Sarandon. Susan Sarandon. That yes. movie is, okay, well, also you can't even talk about it without <laughs> weeping like a child. Right. Um, <laughs> but I think it it really has to be, and, and I know I don't mean to sound redundant, but coming back to checking your own ego. Like, if you can come in and recognize that, first of all, there's, there's so much much good stuff happening in our world right now about this idea of supporting women, supporting each other in our difficult struggles as women, as working women, as mothers, as aunts, as grandmothers, whatever it would be, right? So if you can approach this other woman with the, the, if nothing else at the end of the day, you're both women. And if you love your new partner, the best thing that you can do is love your new partner's kids mother well right because beautiful advice (laughs) because it's like it's the idea that at the end of the day if if we can all see it as i want my relationship with my new partner to go well okay well one thing that will quickly damage a new relationship is for you to stir up a hornet's nest with their ex with their ex right Mm -hmm. and then also that there's small humans in the mix and we want to love them well and we want them to be successful humans and there is so much out there about Kids who have come from families where they're divorced and their understandings of relationships and what healthy relationships look like, right? So how much it is important to make sure we don't do undue damage to that scenario, right? So the idea of if I can recognize that my I don't have anything to do why 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 they got divorced. I mean, let's let's hope. Yeah. I mean, we'll just put we'll that go with that assumption. Yeah, we'll go with that assumption. Then they're really doesn't have to be animosity between you and the ex because it's not about the two of you. And I think that also remembering that if you're the new, that's going to mean something to the ex. Be kind to that, right? Like there's a reason that at one point in time, she also loved Mm -hmm. your partner, that there was a foundation to that relationship to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. And then there was hurt and there was pain and there was brokenness, which is why the relationship ended. Be kind, be cognizant of that. If you saw another woman really, really hurting, you wouldn't come in with like your fists up, right? Yeah. Your natural instinct, I would hope, would be like, oh gosh, how's it going? What's going on? Right? So mm-hmm. I think it's the idea of you also don't have anything to prove because if you've got your head screwed on straight, you're not there to be the new mom, mm-hmm. right? You are the new partner right. and you're there to hopefully love 
them well and then hopefully love the kids well. Because I imagine, you know, think about the long game. Like, do you want the rest of your lives, every birthday, graduation, wedding, to be uncomfortable, stressful, awful? (laughs) Or do you really want to set the stage to enjoy these events? Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of us approach holidays and all those things that way anyways. I mean, anyone who's going to be there, like, I heard you describing that. And I was like, oh, God. (laughs) But that's exactly it. Mm -hmm. You have a choice. And don't forget, you have choice. Mm -hmm. You are responsible for your own thoughts feelings, actions, behaviors, and you can choose. Like with most things, I could choose to make the best of the circumstance. I could choose to lead with a sense of humor. Mm -hmm. I could choose to not lead where I feel like I'm on the defensive. I'm just Mm -hmm. sort of me. And, and, and sort of, you know, right, waving your Swiss flag, right? Like, yeah. I'm not here to take sides. I'm just here to be who I am, right? That, like, yeah, I mean, that's a great point about how can you contribute to long-term health for these relationships as opposed to, you know, just setting it up for awkwardness and tension and something that nobody wants to be a part of. Well, and what I don't hear you saying, Jennifer, is that they can't have household rules or boundaries oh gosh, or guidelines, no. right? But it's more that you're only going to try to exert control in the environment where you can, you know? And I think, you know, I think I said a minute ago about the idea of your own character and your own values, mm-hmm, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think that that's, you know, if, if right now as listening to this, if somebody came to you and said top 10 values, if you can't sort of answer that question, I, I would first do some work in that area, mm-hmm, right? Like, we mm-hmm. have to know what our values are, what drives us, what makes the decisions that we make, how do we hang out with the people that we do, how do we spend our money, how do we spend our time, right? Like these are all determined by what our values are. And never should any relationship, friendship, work, romantic relationship make you question your own values. If you are in a circumstance where you're shifting some aspect of who you fundamentally are, I would have you draw some attention to that and say, Mm -hmm. what is it about this relationship that makes me question this? And and having boundaries shouldn't also create animosity with other people. Like yeah. if you say in our household it goes X, that should be okay because I'm not imposing on your household how mm-hmm. it should be. I'm not telling you how to parent your kid. I'm just going to say as long as we're together sort of under our household, here's how it's going to go. And what is going to best suit your long-term relationship with all of this is to have that be an open, proactive dialogue based on what is in the best interest of the small humans in the relationship, right? (laughs) Let's get together. What do we, what do we think about homework? What do we think about bedtimes? What do we think about food and diet and extracurricular activities, right? Like make that a proactive conversation. And if you come to the table going, tell me what you think, because they're going to know this kid better. If you're the new Mm -hmm. They know this child way better than you do. Defer to that wisdom. Mm-hmm. I can also see kind of a, maybe some step parents feeling like I can't set the boundaries because I want them to like me. Ooh. So I'm going to be the fun house. I'm going to, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to do anything to win them over. Mm-hmm. Um, I can, I can really see that setup. And what I would say is that's playing the short game. Yes. Yeah. Right. Like that. To your really good point before Melissa, that's not playing the long game. Mm-hmm. And and what do we know? I mean, I think each one of us, because we all work with adolescents know that kids figure it out and they value genuine yes they value genuine because it creates stability if you're genuinely being who you are that tells me i can trust you yeah it tells me you're gonna be there it tells me that you're grounded it tells me that this isn't gonna flake out and cause me um anxiety really right so What do you do? I know this is probably going to feel like a little out of left field, but I I feel like 
So I'm one of those funny people who I love my kids, but I don't necessarily love other people's kids, you know? <laughs> and I, I can imagine that if, that it, one of the things that might be challenging is sometimes you may not feel that drawn to mm-hmm. the stepkids mm-hmm. or maybe you're not a kid person in general. Mm-hmm. But what do you do if there's a little bit of that emotional disconnect where you love the parent, but you're having a hard, you know, like you love your partner, but you're having a hard time with connecting emotionally with the kiddos? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to bring it back to them. Make sure you're doing your own work Mm -hmm. conversation. But then I would also say, don't force fake intimacy, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I mean, I would sort of keep yourself in check because remember that that's not that kid's fault, right? That you may not be a person that, that feels so inclined to be super attached. Um, don't, you know, don't force it, but at the same point in time, you know, be mindful of your own, attitude and response and then temper, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because if we're all busy adults and we're working, we've got lots going on. If, if we have a small human that wants attention from us and we don't really feel like a, it's our own. So we owe them that. And then B that we've really got it to give, please be careful that then you're not taking that sort of out on them. Mm -hmm. Just sort of, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think the second piece of that is it's got to be open dialogue between you and your partner up Mm -hmm. front. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, hey, here's what I sort of know about myself. You know, I love my own kids a whole lot. And I, you know, love and care about your kids because they're yours. But you need to know that, that you know, I'm not one of those people. And if it's a good and lasting, healthy relationship, that should also be okay. And it should be mm-hmm. something that you guys can navigate, work out yeah. together and navigate. That's a great word. What about on the other circumstance of when you have a kiddo who, and I feel like maybe I see this sometimes with my adolescents in particular, who cannot stand the new partner. Yes. And and it's sometimes like, I, I feel like, you know, sometimes it makes sense to me and then other times it can just feel a little bit like, like brattiness, you yeah. know, but mm-hmm. if you're the parent in that circumstance, you know, what, what do you do with that? Like, should you treat your kids hold backs as red flags for the partnership? Where, where do you go with that? I mean, that's such a tough question because I think the first one has to be answered is, is this this kid's issue? Like, is this unresolved pain and hurt and suffering that this kid has from the divorce that they are now playing out in this relationship? Or is there something very genuine Mm -hmm. that this kid sees in your partner that for whatever reason you cannot see? Mm -hmm. So I think depending on what the answer to that question is gives you a lot of your information. If it's just... This kid who's angry at you because of X, Y, and Z that happened at the divorce, then I think it's it behooves you to then try to address that and to validate that and to hear it and then also try to put it in perspective about because like it wouldn't be appropriate for your kid to be bratty to their teacher or bratty to their coach or bratty to anybody else. It's just not appropriate, right? So then how is it okay to validate that you don't have to like all things at all times, but how do you appropriately manage and respond to that? On the flip side is if your kid is really seeing something in your new partner that you are maybe not seeing, and that's not typical for your for your adolescent, like they don't normally act that way or sort of raise these red flags, I would say it, it, it again, behooves you to dig into that. What mm. are you seeing that I'm not seeing? Can we have a conversation about it? I mean, if you know your kid and that's not their norm, that's a great piece of insight before you dive into another relationship that may ultimately fail. We don't want to pattern failed relationship after failed relationship after failed relationship, right? So if your kid sees something that you don't, 
probably a good thing to pay attention to. It reminds me of what you said earlier that I find really crucial when you kind of said, you know, sometimes parents, our needs have to take the backseat to our kids. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not a bad thing to have to slow things down, Mm -hmm. to really be able to put our kids' needs first. Mm -hmm. But I do feel like we're kind of given these messages these days as as women, like our needs are the most important and Mm -hmm. take care of yourself Mm -hmm. first. Mm -hmm. And that's really contradictory when you're a parent. I'm so glad you said that because there's a part of me I loved... When Michelle Obama, on her book tour, there was that, I think it was the one that she was doing in New York, where she addressed, who's the Facebook, Lean In. Mm-hmm. Cheryl, Cheryl Sandberg, Sandberg right? Yeah. And how, and you know, and, and, and Michelle Obama sort of laughed because she got very emotional about it. And she, mm-hmm. I think she said like that or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And then she sort of caught herself up, but she had this very emotional response to this idea of like, Oh, lean in. We can give more. We can do more. We can be all things to all people at all time. And she sort of, sort of called bullshit on it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we have to be very careful that, yes, we we want to make sure that we are being true to ourselves. And, you know, all three of us are working moms, right? Which means that we are creating a balance between using our intellect and using our gifts and also managing our small humans, right? Which I know mean a great deal to all three of us. But this idea of um, some of the messages we're hearing as women are not sound and mm-hmm. nor are they uh, healthy, mm-hmm. right? Because what is the message that you ultimately want your kid to get? And if the message is um, a man is always going to mean more. And I mean, I, you know, some people may be like, well, that's not fair. But unfortunately... To a 10-year-old, that may be exactly what it means. That's right. Right? That like if you're really voicing something to your parent and they're just blowing you off or not even taking the time to listen or just moving ahead in spite of, that's exactly the message that they're going to get. And so I think we really have to sift through a lot of what's being put out there in in well-written books Mm -hmm. by people who are intelligent Mm -hmm. that... um, may not be always 100% accurate. Yeah, I think that that's the thing is it's like it kind of goes back to that idea of being able to take the time to be intentional, you know, because mm-hmm. I, like, I can imagine we don't, we don't want to show the relationship as the center of our universe. And we also don't want to show the kid as the center of our universe, right? <laughs> and, but I think at the same time, when you know your kiddo has been wounded mm-hmm. because of having been through the emotional distress and, and, you know, not, I don't think every divorce has a tremendous, you know, has no. these huge burdens of emotional no. distress, but I think at the same time, there's still changing circumstances. Oh. There are still huge changes in their life cir- circumstances. And so I think we want to be, we want to honor that, that their needs are going to be met mm-hmm. and somehow, and also have this idea that it's not a race, you know, mm-hmm. and it's okay yes. oh, gosh, to be yeah. able to slow down yes. and even have a little bit of that gut check. You know, mm-hmm. like I can remember when, um, I'm such a, I love rules because to me, like rules reign in all my impulsivity. <laughs> <laughs> and so I have, you know, many, 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 many rules. And one of my rules when I was dating was that we had, not that, you couldn't fight or argue because mm-hmm. I do think arguing is important. Is but yeah. what we had to have, I was never going to marry someone who I didn't have like a good year with. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like where we had a year that was not ups and downs, but mm-hmm. just kind of a nice consistent year. Mm-hmm. 
that was just something that I had planted in my head because I didn't want to impulsively make a really big decision mm-hmm. when I was in that state. And I think I was thinking about the hormones related to, you know, mm-hmm. like you just, you don't want to do that when you're just filled with endorphins mm-hmm. and not thinking things through. Well, and I think... I think for some women, we come, you know, potentially out of a divorce feeling like we have something to prove. Yes. yes. That, it, that it wasn't because of us, or we're not capable, or we're not lovable, or we're not, right? And it's like, oh gosh, what dangerous ground when you are trying to prove something about yourself in a relationship. I mean, that's sort of an across the board kind of statement, not just, you know, second marriages or whatever it is, mm-hmm. right? But I think, you know, it's so funny. It's like, I've, you know, been, it'll be 15 years this year, happily married. But I loved knowing that I had people that were sort of saying like, this is good or this is not good. Like Mm -hmm. if you have people like your children that are giving you real time feedback about a relationship, what an asset. Use it, right? Like what a great thing to be able to tap into and not see as a burden or Mm -hmm. as a a pain in the butt. But like, I'm going to use this as an asset. I'm Mm going to make sure that this time maybe I really do it right. Like maybe I pay attention to some things that I didn't pay attention to before, you know, or whatever it would be. Um, but that, that you can really use that as a benefit. That's such a funny way to put it because I, you know, just thinking about how sometimes what will happen is if somebody criticizes your partner or criticizes a decision you're making, like we'll dig in more. You know, and so it's so interesting to think about what it would be like to instead of like digging in more and trying to prove we're right, just be curious about where the feedback's coming from mm-hmm. and try and understand it, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe explore mm-hmm. it. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean we have to follow it, mm-hmm. you know, right. but instead of like trying to hold it at arm's length, could we just be open to the idea that maybe there's more to the picture? Mm-hmm. And think about fundamentally too, like I think... I want nothing more to know that my kids feel like they can always come to me no matter what, right? That no matter if it's a screw up on their end or their friend, I mean, that no matter that it's never too big or too bad, that they Mm -hmm. can't bring it directly to me, right? So think about the foundational message you're giving to your kid. If they feel like they can come to you and openly talk to you about this, what great you know, bricks in the wall of this idea of, of the foundational relationship of being like, oh gosh, you know, just more that I can give to my kid where they feel like no matter what it is, they can always come. They can, ha- you know, speak openly and honestly, and I'm going to listen and you're right. I may not change everything I'm doing because they may be super biased or they may be six and think that <laughs> Spider-Man is real or whatever, right? But then it's the idea that like long-term, it's like, okay, this is the stuff that matters mm-hmm. because, you know, and I don't ever want to be defeatist either, but this relationship may not last too, mm-hmm. but your relationship with your child has to last your entire life mm-hmm. and you want that to be long and you want that to be good and you want it to be meaningful. Mm-hmm. So I would say, you know, there shouldn't, you know, there are very few things that should come between you and your relationship with your kid. That's such a great reminder. Such a great reminder. And it also seems like we need to remind parents that talking to their kids about this stuff is important too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And how about being the one to start the conversation? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think from the very beginning? Yeah. Mom's going to go out on a date. What do you think? I mean, very first date, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to go ahead and go out on a date. What do you think about that? You know, how do I look? Make it, make it jovial, make it funny, but like start that dialogue early so that it is a natural piece of the conversation. So that all of a sudden, I mean, sometimes I hear parents do that. We're like, they're, 
Their kids don't know that they've been dating somebody for like an entire yes. year. Yes. That and then all of yeah. a sudden, and I'm like, uh, <laughs> you don't think that that's going to breed a little mistrust right. with your kid? And why? It's okay mm-hmm. to start dating. It is okay to start pursuing intimate relationships for yourself. That's a good thing. You, I bet you if you asked your kid, do you want mom to spend the rest of her life alone? Their answer to that is going to be no, right? right? Yes. Like, it's a good thing to start dating. But, but you know, make it an early, open conversation. Mm-hmm. I think on the flip side, too, another great conversation is I know a lot of kids want to protect their mom when mm-hmm. they know dad is dating. And so mm-hmm. to be able to say, let's talk about this. Are mm-hmm. you worried about me? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. let, let's talk about how I feel about mm-hmm. it. And, mm-hmm. and then not to be totally, I mean, yeah. you don't have to be like, it kills me. <laughs> um, but for the yeah. kids to I have to carry the burden of I need to protect my mom 100%. just to put that out there or yeah. to talk about it. A hundred percent. Because yeah. again, it brings it back to that idea we we're talking about before that your kids are not responsible for your emotions. That's right. Mm-hmm. Or your dad's emotions or whoever's mm-hmm. emotions, right? Mm-hmm. It's enough to be responsible for our own emotions. And there's mm-hmm. enough work in that as parents to get our kids to be responsible yes. for their mm-hmm. own emotions. We certainly don't need to put on them that they also have to be responsible for ours or yes whoever else's so what i hear you saying jennifer is like what matters most of all is that we're really intentional about Mm -hmm. our relationships with other people but also that our relationships with our kids Mm -hmm. that we're not kind of creating like these boundaries or these walls that they can't see around you know and maybe having things happening outside of their control but also not allowing them to understand it Mm -hmm. and it sounds like a huge part of this is always maintaining respect and kindness and even love towards the other parent Mm -hmm. so that there's not a sense of we're not working as a team, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it sounds like those are all like really good critical pieces Mm -hmm. for people to do this well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and and allowing the kiddos as part of the conversation. Like I can imagine that that probably, that could be another role of therapy in the idea that like if you're not able to have these conversations or you don't feel like you're able to, to, that your kiddo is really able to open up to you, like it might be nice to be able to give them someone else to process with, you know, so that they can at least know you're in their corner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, Getting your child a therapist does not have to be because they're struggling. No. Right? Yeah. Like we know research shows that asking for help is a life skill and it's a sign of intelligence, wisdom, and then ego strength, right? Mm-hmm. Confidence, right? So modeling the idea of using an outside source during a time when you've got big decisions or make, you know, big decisions to make or some fundamental things happening to just say, hey, I just need to touch base with somebody that's not biased, that's not got ulterior motives for the insight that they're giving me. I mean, it's just modeling really good, healthy stuff of recognizing that asking for help is a, is a healthy, wise, confident thing to do. You use the word team. And I think that if everybody could approach step-parenting and co-parenting as a team instead of us versus them. Mm. Like, ideally, could you imagine four parents sitting down together and really strategizing and supporting each other? That would be incredible. And it would fundamentally change the game, right? And then, I mean, and it is possible mm-hmm. because but you know what it requires first is for us to check our own ego yes. which mm-hmm. is so hard for people and that you don't have anything to prove right and and I think the other thing is is no matter what somebody else is doing you can always continue to do the right thing which is mm-hmm. hard not saying that's easy mm-hmm. but you know um 
I have a quote hanging in my office that says, I do not have to participate in every argument I'm invited into. <laughs> I, I love, love that. that. And it's funny is that I face it, not my clients. I was going to say. <laughs> to be honest with you. But I think it's this idea that like I can choose how I expend my own emotional mm-hmm. energy. Mm-hmm. And I can model that for other people and I can set a tone for that. And I can be proactive about it. And I can hopefully be proactive with my partner to say, not about you. Let's make it about the kids. Let's do the right thing. Yes. Well, Jennifer, we are so grateful for your time today. I um, I feel like I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> right. <laughs> I do too. Thank you. So hopefully we will have you back Thanks. very soon. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Curious Mother. If you liked what you heard, the greatest compliment would be to share this with your community of moms and to give us a great rating on iTunes. Follow us on Instagram at The Curious Mother and check out our bios and resources at thecuriousmother.com.